So let's look real briefly at those before we look at the next five. Number one was that God forgives you. He forgives all your sins. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I mean, I all week long, I can say praise the Lord for that, because that hit me every single day. Who heals all your diseases. Now, I didn't have any diseases this year, I mean, this uh, last week to say praise the Lord from, but I can think about in my life, God has healed my diseases. So David praises the Lord for that. We praise the Lord who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. Number five, he satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Number four is God satisfies my desires. And number five, God works justice. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Now, last week, I suggested, uh, I guess, five different ways that we should go about or could go about reminding ourselves of ways to praise the Lord. The one that I didn't write down that I'm, uh, I thought I would share with you is the, uh, the in song. So I, I did this. So I, I'd like to share my song with you if you'd like to hear it. Anybody like to hear me sing this? Just kidding. <laughs> I did not write a song, but I did suggest writing it down in a journal, uh, writing it on the calendar, discussing with each other, or if you needed reasons to praise the Lord, read Psalms 103. So I did make a list. I'm not going to sing it, but I will share it with you. So on Sunday, this is a praise that I have. We went to the nursing home service. And uh, you guys got my email, I think, about that, that uh, this one little old lady, sweet as could be, was just went on and on about how much she appreciated us coming to the nursing home service. So if you ever want to be appreciated, show up there. She went on and on. I thought, man, she's just filling my love tank. And then she says, we love the singing more than we love listening to you talk. <laughs> but I praise the Lord for the nursing home service going well. On Monday, I was able to understand something uh, that I've been trying to understand for a long time. Uh, it's a Bible study tool, and I praise God that he helped me to understand that. On Tuesday, you guys remember last week I told you about Leslie's Amazon order. How this guy, we feel like they're trying to scam her, and Amazon said, we will take care of it. You just trust us. Revenge is mine, saith Amazon. <laughs> right? So it got dealt with. Leslie got her refund on Tuesday. Praise the Lord. On Wednesday, no one back to school. Monday and Tuesday, he was homesick. Wednesday, he was well enough to go back to school. On Thursday, I had a really nice visit with my dad on the phone. We don't talk very often. Um, I don't know why, we just don't. I talk to my kid every day. You'd think I would do that with my dad, but I don't. So we had a, I, I just praise God for a, a nice phone visit. On Friday, we got news that Becky's house was officially ours. But that leads me into yesterday, because it's not up there. Uh, yesterday, uh, Lauren's been checking on the house, like making sure that everything's fine. Well, I went over there yesterday. It was, I think, a, a God-ordained kick in the, to get over there. And when I got there, I realized there's no power on in this house. There's no heat. It's cold. And so I called Lauren and said, what do I do? He said, turn on the water so that it trickles. And then... Um, so that's, that's my praise on Friday was finding was the house, but on Saturday was the fact that there was no power. But then last night at 7 o'clock, Darren and Lauren came over to the house. Darren's got this 4,000-ton 4, generator to get out of his pickup, and he hooked it all up, and so there was heat running throughout the house. Lauren put the RV antifreeze in the appropriate places, but I praise God that they showed up to take care of the house. 
well, I have a praise for today. And I didn't even know what it was going to be till I got up here before church started and I saw this. This is, doesn't mean a whole lot to you probably, but these are church keys that I lost. And I found them in the front pew right there. I praise God. Where'd you find them? Right there. Okay. So I praise God that I found them. Now looking at this list, are these astronomically life-changing? No. I don't know what you want, Caleb. Nothing. Okay. They're not astronomically life-changing, but they are all a good reason to praise the Lord. Most likely, if I didn't write these down, I wouldn't remember them. Yes, I would say, ha-ha, this little lady teased me at the nursing home, but each day, I have something to praise God for, and I remember because I wrote it down. So I just want to encourage you. David wrote a song. Write it on your calendar. Do something to remind yourself, because you actually have a lot of reasons to give God praise. So I would just encourage you to do that. Uh, today we're going to be looking at benefits 6 through 10 of being a follower of God that David is reminding himself of. But before we do, let's pray. Father God, I, I just, in the silly little list, God, we just have, I, I personally see a number of things that I could praise you for. You know, this list could have been longer if, if I would have kept track of more things each day. And I just, I thank you, God, that you care so much about me just to, to provide these little blessings. God, I just, I'm here now to, to share your word. And I just pray that it sticks with us uh, throughout the weeks, throughout the years of our life, God, because praising you is not just one day a year or one Sunday afternoon because we heard a message about it. I just pray that you would help us to remember this. I pray that everything that you want me to say would come out of my mouth and that we would all hear it the way you want us to hear it today too. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you are interested in following along in your Bible, uh, Psalms 103, uh, verse 7, we see the first one for today. David writes about, uh, about Moses. He, said, he says, God made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Now, uh, does anybody know, did David and Moses live at the same time? If you're in my Old Testament class, you better say, no way. <laughs> because those are, they, were, they were miles apart from each other. They're both in the Old Testament, but they weren't there at the same time. So what you see right here is that David is praising God for something that he did a long time ago in somebody else's life. Moses, who was given the law, uh, was going to have a, an indirect path or uh, impact on David's life years and years later. But, God said, or, but David says, I thank you, God. I praise you for what you did in his life that ultimately affected mine. God revealed his will to Moses. You know, you can look in the scriptures and say, I praise God that you did that too. I praise God that you got those people, that you kept your word, that you got them out of Babylon after 70 years. Does that impact me? No. But I can say, I praise you, God, that you kept your word. Because if he didn't keep his word then, then I'm taking his Bible and I'm hucking it. Because if I can't trust that, I don't know how I can trust anything else. But God revealed his will to Moses in a couple of different ways. He made his way known to him. First of all, the, the physical path that they were supposed to go. I heard this message once. It was really good. I'd love to steal it and impress you all with this. It would impress you, I think, if you heard this guy speaking. But it's talking, he's, he's talking about how typically in math, what is the shortest distance between two lines? 
is a straight line, right? Well, he, he takes this idea and says, when God led the people out of Egypt, he could have took them directly to the promised land, which would have been the shortest way. But in between them and the promised land was enemies that they would have to fight and they would get afraid and they probably wouldn't be able to win. So he takes them on this other journey before he finally gets them to the promised land. God's the, the leading Moses on the physical path that he wants him to go. But he's also leading him with the teachings that he's supposed to teach the, priests, the people, the precepts. God didn't just say, hey Moses, at one point from the, the fiery furnace, or the bush I mean, God, please help me, from the bush and say, now, Moses, I want you to go get those people out of Egypt and take them there and leave them at that. All the way he was with them. He, he helped them to do the miracles in Egypt. While they're wandering in the desert for 40 years because they disobeyed God, here's where you go where there's water. Here's the, the people were able to see these things. He, he revealed his ways to the people. They're seeing the manna fall. I mean, they're waking up and it's there. They're having water out of a rock. They're experiencing miracles. God didn't just say, Moses, Moses do it on your own. He says, I'm going to teach you what to do. I'm going to show you where to go, and I'm going to make it obvious to the people, because I am leading you. And, and David, years upon years later, says, I praise you, God, that you did that. You know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big thing to remember to praise God for something that he didn't even do in your life. But that's what David is doing. You know, I think about my life. You know, I think about God revealing His ways to me. You know, God doesn't re owe anybody anything. He doesn't owe you an explanation. He doesn't have to tell you where to go next. He doesn't have to do anything because He's God. He doesn't owe anybody anything, but He chooses to show man what He wants them to do. Now, I, I bet if you're a kid, you know, you're thinking about figuring out God's will for your life. You're thinking about what career path am I going to go? Who's the hot babe I'm going to get to marry? Or the hunk I'm going to marry, right? Who, where, where am I going to live? What, what, what pursuits am I going to, what car am I going to buy? You're looking at things like that. And I get that because I was in your shoes not that long ago. I understand that when I want to know what does God want for me, I want that one big thing. And I feel like God revealed that to me. I'm here right now in Plevna. God revealed to me that he wants me to be a preacher in Plevna, Montana. And that's where I'm at. But I didn't start there. You know, you think about uh, the people in the Bible that God used. Think about David. What did David start out doing? He's shepherding, right? He's, he's throwing a sling to practice to protect the sheep. But he's just doing what he's already supposed to be doing. He's being faithful wherever he's at. And God says, here's a man after my own heart. I'm going to make him king. But it started with where he was at and being faithful there. So I understand you want to know who you're going to marry. You want to know what career to pursue. You want to know where to live. You want to know those things. Will you make Caleb listen, please? Thanks. This is for you, Caleb. You want to know those things. But here's what we got to remember. This is what's more important. This is what God wants from you. He wants you to love Him, and He wants you to love everybody else. He's, he gives you the whole scriptures to say, this is what I want from you. Uh, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Fear God and keep His, his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. That's what He wants. He's, he put in the scripture. He gave you His will of what you are supposed to do. 
He talks about in Matthew 28, 19, go and be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, you be faithful where you're at. He gave you the scriptures. And I'm confident. I'm confident if you are somebody who's, who obeys what God's word says, God will direct your path naturally to where he wants you to go, to the girl that you're going to marry, to that job that you want, to that career, whatever it is that you say, I, I just got to know that. If you start out faithful where you're at, I'm confident God will bring you where he wants you to be. It may not be what you want. We saw last week, God satisfies our desires with good things. I may not make it into the MBA. I may not get to be the rancher. I may not get to marry that person or have that car or live in uh, Georgia, right? I may not get to do those things, but it's going to be the good thing. So you want to know what God wants you to do is just be faithful with what you have right in front of you and then start praying. God, what is it that you want me to do? Please lead me there and make sure that I get there at the right time. I need Taven to come up here, please. Um, number, the next benefit is the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. The word for compassion is mer merciful. Gracious means, he, it's used only of God, it means favorable, kind, and friendly. God, okay, uh, I, I did ask him, I want everybody to hear you. I did ask Taven to come up here a, a little while ago so he knows what's coming. Hopefully he can do this. Uh, Taven, I want you to give me an angry look on your face. Like you're mad. Okay, make it a little more mad. Okay, you did it better earlier. What did you do with your nose? There you go. Okay. You can take this and take whatever you want out of there. Okay? Now, Taven just demonstrated for us what God is. It's slow to be angry. Now, I hope you're, I hope you're paying attention because this is kind of cool. Do you know what the word for anger is in the Bible, at least at this point? It's nose, which is referencing your face. When Taven got mad, what did he do with his nose once I prompted him? He's, your nose, you get mad, you scrunch your nose, you get your eyebrows down, and you express it on your face, right? Some of us are worse than others, right? I'm a scary-looking person when I get mad. But we're, we're quick to, like, do that. But God is slow to anger. He's slow to display that anger. He's, he's upset, but he is patient. He's slow to express that. Uh, and that's why you find that he's so compassionate. That's why, he's, he, because he's so forgiving and, and loving, the people in the Bible were not de destroyed. Because he is slow to express that anger that we as people are so quick to uh, express. So God is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. It means he's plenteous in mercy. You know, uh, he's sufficient for every purpose. Uh, there's, there's more than enough. You guys know the story of Joseph when he goes and he's in... Uh, He's in Egypt, and there's, there's, there's seven years of plenty, right? What do they do? They keep bringing him grain. He keeps keeping track. So finally, he says, I don't know what the next number is. You know, what's after a million? A billion. After that, you have a trillion. Then you have a zillion. Then what do you have? What's after a zillion? Quadrillion, maybe. What's after that? Right? That's the way it is. Joseph is keeping track till finally he doesn't know what number's next and says, okay, I'm done counting because I, I can't keep track of it. That's how much love God has. That's how much mercy he has. It's more than we can, we can even keep track of. More than we can understand that amount. That's how much compassion that he has for us. God has always been abounding in love. 
He's never run out before, and he will never. Think about Adam and Eve. God made this beautiful garden. He put everything there. He put all the fruits, all the veggies. He put all the animals. He put no children. Right? Just, just Adam and Eve. Right? They're happy with each other. Life is perfect. And then they eat the fruit that they're not supposed to eat. And from then it's downhill all the way, all the way till today, all the way till Jesus comes back. It's downhill. But God had compassion on them. God had compassion and on mercy on David, who we already discussed last week. Some of those big things that he did, God continued having mercy. Think about Israel. What's the one thing we keep talking about in the old, our Old Testament class about Israel? About how compassionate God is, how, how merciful he is, how many chances he gave those people, right? God didn't run out at that point. He's not even getting close to running out of that. It just, it's continuously being filled. You think about my life. You think about our world today. You know, people I said last week, they're inventing ways of being evil. Every which way there could be something wrong, people are doing it. And they're, they're getting more brazen about it. They're putting it on YouTube and on TV and everybody, the whole world can see this but yet God is still full of compassion it's never ending in Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and 23 it says because the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning the King James in Psalms 103 has the word mercies. Lamentations has mercies. It's the same word, and it's new every morning. You're never going to run out of it if it's new every morning. I don't even think it ever gets near the bottom, right? It's continuously full. That's the kind of mercy that God has. And I could just say, if I stop and think about it, I say, praise God. Praise you, God. Thank you, God, that you are merciful, that you are patient, that you're giving me another chance. That's the God that we serve. That is definitely a reason that we have to praise God. It's because He's slow to anger. He's slow. He's abounding in love. He's gracious and He's compassionate. Number nine. We have a God to praise who lets it go. Verses 9 through 12. It says, He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. Harbor means to bear a grudge. I'm sorry, let me back up here. He will not always accuse. He will not always conduct a legal case. He will conduct a legal case. If you commit a crime, you typically, the way it works is you go to court and somebody says, this guy did this. This guy deserves a punishment. And somebody tries to convict him, tries to prove that case. And it says God, God will do that, but he says he's not always going to do that. At some point, um, he's, he's not going to harbor uh, or bear a grudge to keep or reserve. He's not always going to rebuke you. He's not always going to punish you. At some point, you're going to go to jail. At some point, you're going to get your punishment, but you're going to do your time, and that's it. You're going to be punished, and that's it. But think about, think about David. Think about what he did. Think about your life, and think about what you deserve to go because of your sin. And, and, and think 10,000 years from now, where we're all sitting around fat and sassy from the fruit, 
soaked and, and from enjoying the water that we're going to be able to swim in and, and possibly go fishing in. And we're going to talk to all the people around all of history that made it to heaven. God's not going to start bringing up, Josh, I remember 10,000 years ago. Don't you remember that day when you did this? You know, he's not going to be bringing that up. You know, sometimes people are really good about, about bringing up your past. Bring up my past. If they, they have a way of just not letting it go. They have a way of like rubbing your nose in it, of, of bringing it up somehow to remind you of what you did wrong. God's not going to do that. He's going to let it go. You confessed it. You, you, you got the consequences for it. But he's going to let it go. He, he's not going, let's see. Um, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repays according to our iniquities. What is it? What is the punishment for sin? The wages of sin is death. Right? Because I've sinned, I deserve to die and go to hell forever. I feel like every time I sin, guess what I deserve? The same thing. I deserve to go to hell forever, but God doesn't treat me as what I deserve. He's willing to have grace and compassion because I've asked Him for it. I've asked Him for forgiveness and He forgave me and He doesn't treat me as my sins deserve. As far as the, as high as the heavens are above from this earth, as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed my transgressions from me. To remove means to widen, like widen the gap. Uh, we have the Old Testament that the people of Jerusalem that got hauled off to Babylon. They went off to exile. And that's, that's an extended point, but this gets even better because it's not just miles away. It's for eternity away. It's never, they're never going to meet. You're never going to catch up to it. As far as it's going, as fast as it's going, that's as far as he's removed our transgressions from us. Praise the Lord for that. Right? I, if you stop and think about what I deserve, what I don't want to be reminded of, what I, you know, God's removing that from me. I think when I get to heaven, he's going to erase my memory of that stuff. Um, I, don't, I can't prove that, but I think that's probably the case. But the thing is, 1 John 1, 9, that big two-letter word, that big elephant in the room, the word if, if we confess our sins, that's the part that you have to play. You have to confess your sins. It says He is faithful. He will forgive you of your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. Are you willing to do that part? Are you willing to confess, yes, I did that? He will remove your transgressions uh, from you. He, he's not going to, to hold this against you forever. You're going to get the consequences and that's it because that's the loving God that we have if you are willing to confess. You know, I think about, uh, about the, this list that I brought up last week. I'm going to bring it up again. You know, you think about the sins that everybody knows about. You know, I told you about my pie that I threw during church. Right? I couldn't hide it. Everybody saw it. You know, sometimes the sins that we do are so obvious, they go before us. My reputation goes before me. Everybody already knows before I got here. And there are sins that I do that nobody knows about. If you're willing to confess those sins, God will forgive you. The ones you've struggled with your whole life, if you confess those sins, God will forgive you. The ones that you have yet to commit, because I guarantee you none of us are going to be perfect. The ones that other people won't forgive, God is willing to forgive if you're willing to confess your sins. He will cleanse you of your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. That is the God that we serve. And I, I, I just say, hey, there's a benefit to having a relationship with Jesus. Because apart from Jesus, apart from God, there is no forgiveness. There is nothing. I'm going to be held accountable and I'm going to suffer the consequences for all eternity for my sin. So because of God's grace, I don't have to deal with that. 
<laughs> Number nine. Number nine, number nine. Come on, Noah. Okay, number nine, I guess I'll just say it. Um, he, God knows us as we are. Uh, let me read verses 13 through 18. It says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and the place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. God remembers what we are. God created us, right? He, he knew the day we were going to be born. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows the day we're going to die. And he knows that we are just temporary. He gives us a picture of dust. Adam was made from the dust of the ground. And God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. When he died, he went back to the earth. And our lives are, we are just made out of dust. And you can find that in other passages of Scripture about this is what man is made of. But God knows that man is temporary. Um, in Psalms chapter 90, verse 10, it says the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have strength. And there are a couple of you who have a lot of strength. Right? Because you're still going after 80. But life is temporary. And God knows that. He knows that we are fragile. He knows if He decides to take away our breath, we're done for. He knows if He makes it just a little too hot, we're done. He knows if He doesn't uh, keep our heart beating, we're done. I mean, we, we can look and say, man, we are impressive beings. And we, we are capable. It's hard to kill the human body. But God just, without even trying, if He doesn't keep his, his focus and He doesn't keep every part of our lives going, we're done. We have nothing we can do. No machine inside of us or hooked up to something is going to keep us alive. It's because of God. He knows that we are very, very temporary. Now, man can enjoy his life. You know, I've been alive for 44 years. I have, I've had moments in the sun. Some are embarrassing, right? I've had, uh, I have good memories. Uh, you know, but for, the, for the, the best you really can hope for, from an earthly perspective, is to, to have a day of the year named after you. You know, I, I don't want to sound terrible when I say this, but when I think about President's Day, do you know what I do on President's Day? I have a day off. Right? I hang out with my family. What do I do with Martin Luther King Day? I have a day off. I don't go to the post office. Right? These people, I, I recognize their names, but I'm not worshiping them. I'm not spending my whole day thinking about them. I don't know them. They're just, they're people in history. And that's the best that I can hope for from an earthly perspective is, wow, I gotta, I'm on a highlight reel forever. I gave some amazing quote that people quote for the next hundred years, but no one's really... My, my spot is going to be gone. You think about basketball or, or football. You know, one, one player gets down. Does the game stop? No, it's next man up. You know, we're going to pick on Caden. Caden's a basketball player. He's the star. He breaks his ankle. The game doesn't stop. We say, okay, Tristan, now you're playing. Tristan gets hurt. Okay, Weston, now you're playing. It's just the next man up. You find that with the coach. You find that with the bus driver. Right? If I quit driving, it, you know what? It's next man up, driving a bus. I'm not so important that if I stop preaching, 
it's going to kill the church. It's the next man up, right? If, if, if I die, if I get sick, if I move, it's the next man up. Because that's the way life is. I am temporary. My position is temporary. Your, your position is temporary. God knows that. Isn't that good? He doesn't expect more out of me than what the normal human body can do because he created me. He knows only what I'm capable of. The right temperature, the, the number of heartbeats, the blood pressure, all those different kinds of things. He keeps that all in balance because he knows I'm just a temporary being. You know, uh, contrast that with the Lord. His love is eternal. His throne reigns forever. There we go. The battery was, I don't know why it worked. Anyway, the Lord has, let me read uh, verse 19. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. God's kingdom is not going anywhere. He's never going to get voted out of office. He's never going to have somebody uh, push him, like assassinate him. There's no one ever going to, uh, there's, no, there's never going to be a changing of the guard. You know, you finally get a good thing and you want to hang on to that thing. That's going to always be there. That thing is God. He's always going to be there for all eternity. And he's, he's my Lord. His God's Son, Jesus, died on the cross to give me those benefits so that I could have eternal life, so that I could have, be satisfied with good things, so that uh, I could have my sins forgiven, so I can have that relationship with God. I and mean, if I could think of all these things on the spur of the dime, I would say these things. These are benefits I have because of a relationship with Jesus. But God didn't just want that relationship for me. He didn't say, Josh is worthy of all of this, and that's enough. He says, I want you. I want those people out there. I, I want them to have these same benefits, uh, but somebody's got to tell them about Jesus, and they're going to get the exact same benefits that David got. They're going to have the exact same benefits that I have that I know that many of you have in here as well. So I want to encourage you as well is these are not just for me. These are not just for David. These are not just for you. These are for them as well. If you're willing to, to trust Jesus as your Savior, you will have eternal life and you will have these same benefits. So once again, we come back to the end of Psalms 103. David has written a song to remind himself of the benefits that he has in God, the, 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 the reasons that he has to praise God perpetually, continuously, without end, um, perpetually, right? That's the kind of idea there's, it just keeps going. There's no reason to ever stop praising God for those benefits. I, I encourage you to write a song. If you write a song and you want to sing it up here, I'll let you do it. Right? If you want to come up here and sing a song about what you have to praise God for, I'll let you do it. But you can keep a journal. You can write it down on a calendar. You can discuss it. Like, hey, every Sunday after church, I'm going to make every kid in my family or my wife or whoever it is say one thing today that I have to praise God for. That's pretty simple. It only takes like three seconds. And you get your mind in the process of, i got to remember something. Dad's going to ask me this. So it's, it's not a bad thing to do. Maybe I'll try that with my kids, Caleb. Today, right? I'm going to ask you some reason you have to praise God. Or you can read through this list. 
of reasons that you have to praise God. Just do something. We have a worthy God who's worthy of praise. Uh, and, and you're, you're going to find, if you keep track, that you have more reasons than you can think of. Uh, more more than, than you can ever imagine that you have to praise God. It's going to get you through the tough times. It's going to give you hope for, the, for those times. But really, uh, God is just worthy of praise. And we, whether we feel like it or not, we should be praising Him perpetually with all that we are. So I just want to encourage you to do that, uh, at least for the next coming week. And I just, let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for being a God who is worthy of praise. You know, I wrote down a list of seven or eight things uh, this past week. Uh, and I know that, God, you've done so much more for me than what was written down. I just pray that, God, you would remind us gently of the things that we have to praise you for. And that we would just take that one second, that one minute to say thank you, God, for, for this and the other things that you bring to mind. But, God, I just really want to say thank you for being a worthy God, for, for being my Savior. God, for taking care of my physical needs, for satisfying my desires with good things. That you're willing to forgive me. God, that you redeem me. Uh, that you separate my sins as far as the east is from the west. And there's just so many things I just, I praise you for doing those things. Even when I didn't ask you to, God, you, you are the one who just does those things. So I, I praise you for it. Help us to be people that uh, love you and are worthy of the praise uh, that we are trying to offer to you. Let us be people who are living that praise out. And I pray this in Jesus.